Welcome to Dicklebeng Church's SoundCloud. Riele Amahela, Kirakia di Saving, Tebeleton Yalenzi, Homarangam. We are very blessed this morning to have some dear friends with us. Steve and Deb Tibbett. And when when Heather and I lived in London, we lived very close to where they are. And they have the privilege of leading the most wonderful church in central London. Church. It's very diverse like us. And Steve also is responsible for watching over the likes of myself. Um, Andre, who you saw in the picture earlier. And leaders who lead groups of churches all over the world. So you've got to be really nice to him. Because he is really my boss. <laughs> He's shaking his head. No. We are friends and we work together for the good of the gospel. But Steve is going to join us now and continue our series in Ephesians. From verses 11 to 14 that we read last week. And so let's give them a big welcome this morning. Welcome to Clarence. Maybe you take that one. Thank you, Steve. It's great to uh, be with you. And uh, it's a huge privilege to share God's word with you. You are a famous church within the wider New Frontiers family. You are, you're well known. And so therefore it's a massive privilege for us to be with you today. I thought I'd introduce you to my family first. So we have a picture up here. Yeah, yeah, that one there. This is my family. And um, if we can get it nice and big on the screen, it would be great if you can do that. Oh. I always think being on the PowerPoint is the most challenging job in the church. <laughs> So we live in a bar called Mursham. And this is a shot across the city in Greenwich. And down in the bottom right is my eldest son, Ben, who's married to Alice. And our first grandson, Isaac, is second birthday today. And you can see and then on uh, right on the, the left here is Josh and Roxanne. Josh and Roxanne. Roxanne is a South African. Yeah. So I, I'm a part of the family. Yeah. And at the back is Sam, our youngest son. And this is the beautiful Grace. 
In fact, all my daughters-in-law are, are, are beautiful, but Grace and Sam are very serious, a very serious relationship. They're not married yet. Her parents are Nigerian. And Grace would be black British Nigerian. And we, we just had a meal with the parents. Because in the West, young people fall in love and get married. But we understand really it's two families coming together, isn't it? So this was a, a nice meal where we talked about things in the future. Sam was on his best behavior. <laughs> I bring greetings from my church, King's Church, London. King's uh, in, from a UK perspective is a large church. And it's a very diverse community. So we have a third African. A third black, a British Caribbean. And a third white. So if I was preaching my home church, it would look very much like this. The, your tables are nicer than us, that is true. <laughs> And on a Sunday, we have four venues. And we have six meetings. And the preacher preaches um, uh, in one venue. Then he runs to his car. Drives across, runs into the meeting. And then jumps back in the car. And drives to another venue. And preaches again. He would have already preached the message earlier in the week to a video. So it can be seen in the other meetings. So this morning is like a day off for me. Only preach once. The problem is, the message normally gets better the second and third time. So, I'm sorry, you're just getting a, 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 the first time today. So I bring greetings from my church. I also bring greetings from the wider New Frontiers family. Stephen and Heather are dear friends. And we enjoyed close fellowship while they were in London. And they lead a fantastic family of churches called Regions Beyond. Which is expanding all over the world. And you as a local church are a foundation from what that vision springs out from. We also have the privilege of hosting the Apostolic Fellowship called New Frontiers. And so it's an amazing privilege to travel around the world and see what God is doing. So just before lockdown, we were in Zambia just two years ago. Then Zimbabwe. Then down to South Africa. And the year before that, we were in Kenya. 
And uh, when I get back in uh, two weeks' time, I will be in Russia. In, in Almavia. I've never been to Russia. That's why I was praying really hard that there would be no war. And then later in the year, in May, we go to America. So I have, Deb and I have huge privilege to go around our wider family called New Frontiers and see all that God is doing amongst our extended family. And I want to report to you that when Paul writes in Colossians 1.6 he, speak, he speaks the truth. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. So I want to encourage you as you work out your faith here. Know you're connected to a far bigger family. Firstly, regions beyond your own home family. But other brothers and sisters that are serving God all over the world. Steve asked me to preach in your series, which I was very happy to do. And so if you have a Bible, let's turn to Ephesians 1 and we're going to read 11 verses 11 to 14. In him, we we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. We're really going to focus in on these second two verses, so really focus now, please. And you also were including in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory. Amen. Amen. So we're really going to focus on verse 13 and 14 today. And it says that you were included in him when you heard the message. When you heard the message. You heard the message of truth and the gospel of Salvation. Someone came and told you about the good news of Jesus. That God created the world. Then sin came into the world. And then the law and the prophets foretold and looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. Ba prophet, 
as mankind had fallen, God had initiated a rescue plan that was fulfilled in Christ and, and displayed the, the character and love of God to us who lived a perfect life and ultimately was crucified risen ascended and will come again this is God's salvation plan for mankind and Paul writes to a church that he planted and he says you heard this message someone proclaimed it to you the Apostle Paul proclaimed it to the church at Ephesus. Now he's in prison and he's writing to the church he planted. And as I'm sure you've been told, this became a circular letter for many churches. And from verse 3 to 14, which we're concluding today, he describes all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. What happens to us if we're a Christian? That we're chosen. That God has chosen and seen us and called us out. That once we lived in an old life, now we live a new life. And Paul says, You heard the message. Paul uses a phrase in Romans 10 which he quotes from Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The picture here in Isaiah is, is of a watchman standing like on a city wall looking out in the distance. In, into the hills, just like you have here. I don't have hills in London. We have mounds. You have mountains. But you'd be standing on the city gate. And maybe the nation was at war. And therefore the men had left the city. And there was a battle in the in, in foreign lands. And the watchman would look out looking for a runner that was returning from the front. And the watchman would look. He looked for maybe dust coming up in the distance. And he would be wondering whether good news or bad news is coming from the front. And that's why uh, Paul writes in Romans, uh, quoting Isaiah, how beautiful are the of those that bring good news. And how beautiful it is when someone brought the good news of the gospel to you. And it's a great privilege for me to be with you today to preach the gospel to you. But God loves every single one of you. And just how we heard through the kind of prophetic words in the worship. He remembers you. He knows you. 
And I want to say to you, well done for being in the room. After two years of being scattered, with all the pressure of COVID, well done for hanging on to God. Well done for being in the room. Reach out to your friends and family uh, that haven't made it back yet. Invite them back into the family. We are all facing this together. It's the same over all over the world. And we keep trying to gather everyone back in my church. And no wave of COVID comes. Oh, we have to close down again. We have to gather God's people back. But keep doing it. Keep proclaiming this good news. So the first thing I want you to know is that you heard the message. The second thing it says is um, my second point. You heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation when you believed. So you hear the word and then you respond in faith. To respond in faith to good news, first you need to understand bad news. I have some good news for you today and I have some bad news for you. Your situation is worse than you thought. Particularly if you're not a believer here. You may be in the room, but if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you are far from God. And we were once like that, weren't we? Most of us here are Christians. I got saved at 19. 20 years ago. That was a British joke. About 40 years ago. Is the truth. I didn't think I was too bad as a person. I thought there are a lot worse people in the world. But the more I know about God, the more I've learned about Jesus, oh, the more aware I've become of how far I was from the Holy God. So to understand good news, which is Jesus loves you and you can be saved, you first have to admit that there's bad news in your life. That you are far from God. I grew up in a Christian family. My parents are, are, are in their 80s now. Committed Christians. So I came to church. Just like you kids over here have come to church. I came along. But as I became a teenager, I didn't think being a Christian was cool. I felt the world looked more exciting. And so I used to go to church. But I would sit on the back row, right in the back. I'd always be at the back. 
and I'd be the coolest person in the church. Sitting on the back row. My role in the youth group was to make sure that none of the young people got, became Christians. I was even a leader when I wasn't a believer. So I used to at youth camps try and persuade the young people not to follow Jesus. I was far from God. On the edge of church. And then one day, a friend of mine got killed on a motorbike accident. I was 18. And it stopped me in my tracks. Because I understood the gospel. That if you put your trust in Jesus, you'd go to heaven. But I also understood if you didn't, you went to hell. And the realities of death came sharp into focus for me as a young man. And I thought to myself, I'm going to give God an opportunity. How arrogant that is. So at the funeral of my friend, who was, it was hundreds of people at this funeral, he was a young man that died tragically on a motorbike accident. Guess where I was? I'm on the back row. Right at the back of the meeting. And the pastor is preaching. And I say to God, I'll give you a chance. God is so good, he took that chance. And over the next six to nine months, I investigated Christianity at some depth. And particularly the resurrection of Jesus. And I got to a point where I felt it was easier to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead than he wasn't when you look at the evidence. So in a meeting just like this, while the preacher, my pastor was preaching, I was struggling in my heart. Do I follow uh, Jesus? Or do I follow my friends? Because I used to lead my friends away from God. And in the end I thought, if, I, if Jesus is willing to die publicly, and take my guilt and shame upon himself. The least I could do was to break ranks and become a follower of Jesus. And so I'm sitting there. And I go, I believe, I trust you, Jesus. And then it happened. Boom! Yeah, can you translate that? No more. Boom! Boom! I encountered God. Uh, my sin was washed away. I could feel my past had gone. I was very happy. At the end of the meeting, I walked across to my pastor. I want to be baptized. I, I, I studied knowing that coming to faith and baptism was totally connected. I didn't need to get saved. And then wonder about baptism. 
I started to tithe immediately. I was radically changed. I got saved on a Monday, on a Sunday, and at work on a Monday. I just stopped swearing. I was radically different. So when you believe, you put your faith in the resurrected Jesus. The Holy Spirit flows in and floods into your life. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. And I hope as I'm telling my testimony, it's resonating with your story. Can you remember that day? That day when you turn from your sin. You put your trust in Jesus. And God rushed in on your life. Happy day. When God took my sin away. How do you the Holy Spirit hovering over the earth at creation. A, a, a person, not a power or a present, a person, part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, seen throughout the Old Testament on special people and in special moments, on Jesus in his ministry. And then Jesus says, you, I'm going to send another comforter, a, a, another counselor to be with you. I'm leaving, but the Spirit is coming. And he says, wait. And then in Acts 1, Luke's uh, follow up from his first hit, the Gospel of Luke. My wife laughed at that joke, so I appreciate that, darling. <laughs> He says, wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit falls in Acts 2. Yeah. And then Peter gets up and preaches the gospel. My own view is the mark of a spirit-filled church is gospel proclamation. People getting saved. Which is why I love the vision of the, the wall of salvation when Steve told me about that. Uh, my church is, uh, it's got a lot of people in there from sort of like one week to about hundreds, all generations, yeah? And I always challenge my church, particularly those that have been in Christ for many years. Mature believers, yeah? And they say to me, Pastor, feed me, feed me, feed me. Or entertain me, entertain me, entertain me, yeah? And I, I challenge them, how many people are you leading to Jesus? If you're full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, it should just pour out of you. You should become your feet that run with good news. 
And then it says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Very quickly on this, because my time has gone. Could I have that picture? Thank you very much. So behind this phrase sealed, is really a picture of a signet ring. So in the uh, New Testament times, if you were sending a letter or a scroll, you would take some wax or clay and you would seal it with a signet ring. And that's what the Apostle Paul, to, uh, Paul is doing here, is giving an image to us as believers. That the Holy Spirit acts like a seal on our lives. So when Joseph was appointed Prime Minister for the whole of Egypt by Pharaoh, why Peter? Pharaoh gave Joseph his signet ring. It's like a sign of rank or authority. So it's like you're still with the Holy Spirit. You have dignity. You have authority. You're a son or daughter of God. It's like a seal that preserves or protects. We've always wanted to see Stephen Heather's farm. We've heard so much about it, seen lovely pictures. And they're great hosts. And in the fridge where we're staying, Heather bought us a pot of jam. And I wanted some toast, so I put some jam on it, and I had to break the seal which preserves and protects the jam. So the Holy Spirit gives you authority and rank and position before God. But also protection. Just like a jam is protected by the seal. It also means that it authenticates what God has done in your life. As Romans 8 says, the Spirit Himself testified with our spirits that we are God's children. It's like for you. But most mornings, nearly every morning, I wake up. I, I do wake up most mornings, that's true. Thank you for the front row here, she's a good audience. I sense God with me. And he's crying, Abba, Father. I know my daddy, Father in heaven. I'm known by him. And spirit connects with my spirit. It's, it's true, it's true. I know it's true. This is what the remarkable Holy Spirit does. It gives you rank and position and confidence in God and dignity. It cries out from within saying it's true, it's true, Jesus is alive. Another way that Mark would work on a letter would be, it would say, look, there's ownership. And so we know that we're owned by God. And then very quickly, it brings security. 
and security to us. Seals in us. The, the faith that we've taken is real and true. So you you heard the message. You believed the message. And then there's like this stamp, this mark. It's impressed on you internally that tells you it's true he's alive and then lastly Paul just changes the picture and uses monetary terms the Holy Spirit acts like a deposit securing an inheritance so, so an inheritance is something you're going to get in the future no it's terribly dishonoring to your family or your father to talk too much about an inheritance and you should never plan your life on what may happen in the future when it comes to the monetary issues to do with inheritance. You understand the picture. There's, there's a promise. There's possibility that there will be inheritance in the future. And what Paul is saying here is that there is an inheritance in the future when Christ comes back. That is secured by a deposit. The, the, the deposit of the Holy Spirit. So let's say you would like a new television. Because it's important to watch the sport. Which is another one of my values in life. And you see this new television. television it's a big screen HD. Surround sound. Oh, watch the football and the golf and any other sport because I think sport is created by God and is worth watching. So, Steve, I've got an amen in the front row. So, um, so <laughs> And you see the TV. And you want to secure the television. So you put down a deposit. And the deposit acts as like a guarantee. And your commitment to buying the television. And though you haven't got the telly at home yet. You know in a few days time. That it's secure. And that's why um, the Apostle finishes these verses by saying the Holy Spirit is like a deposit that will, you can be confident beyond the grave or when Christ returns that this deposit of hope has secured your inheritance eternal life. So these wonderful verses actually connect the kind of work of God through um, the Old Testament new through the promised Holy Spirit the fact that you can know the Holy Spirit in the present now and secures you. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is good news. This is good news. Amen. Amen. What I'd like to do now 
is give an opportunity for anyone here who's never become a Christian. You've heard the message this morning that God loves you. That he knows you. Uh, that he can see your life and that in Jesus he has died for you to take your sins away and through the resurrection from the dead as Roman 1 says proves that he is the son of God and all you need to do to receive this good news is to accept some bad news that you are far from God and you need rescuing and if you turn from your sin and believe in putting your trust in the, the resurrected Jesus you can be saved today and you can know the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. God within you. This is good news. It's amazing news. Because it's freely given. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's not dependent on your works. Or whether you come to church or not. It's on his performance, not your performance. This is the good news of the gospel. And I want to give any of you here an opportunity to become a Christian today. The way we're going to do this is I'm going to ask everyone in the room to close and um, um, uh, bow their heads. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like to commit your life to Christ today. I do not know if you're all Christians already in the room. But I want to give you an opportunity. And in this season of regathering, Maybe as I've been speaking, it has reminded you of the gospel you once responded to. And you drifted a little, if you were honest. But God sees you and loves you. And so he's calling you back to follow him. So if you either want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, or you want to recommit your life to Jesus, as we pray together, respond in faith to him. Let's all close our eyes. Let's pray together. Why don't you repeat the lines after me? Father, I come to you. Father, I come to you. Lord, please take my life. Lord, please take my life. I turn from my own ways. I turn from my own ways. And I put my trust in Jesus. Crucified and risen. Crucified. Take my life, Lord. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So while we've just got all our eyes closed, let's just give people a moment before God. 
I'm just going to open my eyes so I can see. If there's anyone here today that wants to become a Christian or recommit my life, come back to God. Can I ask you to raise your hand right now? So I can see. Okay, raise your hand right now. Let's pray. I pray for these two or three that raise their hands. And thank you, children, for being so open and responsive to God. God sees your heart. So it's really important as kids that we stay soft-hearted to God. So well done for responding. Let's all pray. Lord, I pray for these two or three that raise their hands. But as I pray for them, I pray for us all. Yeah. We thank you we heard the message. We thank you we took a small step of faith. And you rushed in with the presence and power and the Holy Spirit. That has sealed your work in our lives. Help us carry the wonder of this good news. Day by day. And help us be carriers of the gospel to many. We pray for this church as it regathers post-COVID. And we pray week by week. Many family and friends will regather to honor you, to proclaim you. And to fulfill the vision this church has to reach the nations. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.